0: Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. This morning, I want to speak to the subject of inheriting the kingdom of God. Now um, I'm going to begin by reading Galatians chapter five, verses nineteen through twenty-one. It says, "When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear: sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger." No, I am not describing a church business meeting. <laughs> selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, now I'm describing a church business meeting, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul, in speaking about being led or being motivated by our our worldly desires by by what is the bible calls our flesh he concludes with this ominous warning that those who practice those who do these sort of things will not inherit the kingdom of god well this is this is pretty important i you know we need to understand what is the kingdom of God? And then we need to understand um, how do we how do we get into it? Because clearly Paul here is saying that there are those who will not be in the kingdom of God. So we want to make sure that that we will be in the kingdom of God. It was an, uh, the kingdom of God was an important um theme in Paul's ministry and in Peter's ministry both who are the two primary writers of of the New Testament and in our our text here Paul is is talking about inheriting the kingdom of God so let's let's spend a few minutes talking about exactly what is the kingdom of God and and one of the things that we need to determine is, is it here and now, or is it in the future, when and where and how does this kingdom of God take place? Well, first of all, let's look at the, the present and future understanding of the kingdom. In First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul writes, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and, and urge you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. So note that, that that's speaking of something that was right then, that, that wasn't something off in the, in the future. In Colossians 1.13, he says, for he has rescued us, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son so again there's the understanding that that people were taken from from an existing kingdom the kingdom of darkness and they were transferred into the kingdom of light into the kingdom of god so again that was a present tense understanding in hebrews it says that that people were received into the kingdom. In Revelation 1-9, it says that uh, they were companions in the kingdom of God. So there is certainly an understanding that the kingdom of God is present tense. Now, I want to go so far and, and take the next step and understand that the kingdom of God is the church of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say the church, I'm not talking about this building here at 121 East Park Street. This is nothing other than a building. You could take a wrecking ball and whack it and knock it down to rubble and the church would still exist because the church is not now and never has been a building. We need to understand that. This, I I told the folks in the first um, just to get their heart rate up a little bit. I told them we we could cover the windows with chain link fence and turn this into a skating park because it's a building, it's not a church. Okay, we, we want to understand that. Now, the, the kingdom of God are, is made up of people who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God are people who have confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, and they have freely submitted themselves to Jesus as Lord. So really the term church and kingdom could almost be used interchangeably if you wanted to. The kingdom of God is is where Christ has dominion over people's lives. And the kingdom of God um, reaches beyond just a building. That's why the building is not the church. The the, The kingdom are the people. Because every time a soul is saved, the kingdom increases. And every time the church acts like the church and is light, and drives out darkness, then the kingdom of God advances. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere With himself. So the kingdom of God is clearly in the present tense, but it is also in the future tense as well. Jesus spoke of the kingdom in the future. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said, uh, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to ear should listen and understand so there jesus is speaking about a future understanding a, a future kingdom again in matthew 25 jesus is is speaking about judgment and he speaks about the kingdom in the future matthew 25 34 says then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world both paul and peter speak extensively about the kingdom in in a future understanding for the sake of time and and understand there are there are many verses i'm just trying to to pick some so that we have the the working understanding But just for example, 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11 says, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see that the kingdom of God is present but it is also understood in the future. It is both present and future. In the present tense, just just to kind of go through it again, because as Joe said, maybe it's only people in the Navy get 10%. Um, (laughs) In the present tense, it's found wherever Jesus Christ is is Lord. The kingdom of God is present in in his church, in his body. And in the future, the kingdom is going to be an eternal kingdom, again, where Christ is Lord over all. You know, the, the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So ultimately, Christ is going to be King over his kingdom, and it will be an eternal kingdom without limit. Now, when Paul was talking in Galatians 5, that very first text that I read to you, he's talking about the future kingdom. When he said, Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's speaking. To a group of people who are not demonstrating Christ-like behavior. He's listing out all of these things that they they were known to be caught up in doing, and he's he's concerned for them. He's concerned that they don't get, that they have to submit to Christ and, and become a a full com- you know, committed follower of Jesus. And so as a result, he's, he's concerned that they won't inherit the kingdom. Well, they're no different than we are. And so I think it's important that we understand what does it mean to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, the very first thing that, that you have to do to be in the kingdom of God is you have to be born again. Jesus said in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That is the beginning point. And this is such an important understanding that um, I'm, I'm, pretty certain that next Sunday, I'm going to, uh, the Lord willing that we're here, the, um, I'm going to preach on what does it, what when Jesus talks about being born again, what exactly does that mean? Because this is, this is something that we hear, it's a term that we use, but I'm not sure that we all fully understand what being born again means. Really means, and so I, I think that's on the agenda for next Sunday. But Jesus says, in order to enter the kingdom of God, we must be born again. Well, taking that and moving forward, what? How how do we move forward? So we say, okay, I I've asked Christ into my life. Well we must be washed, we must be sanctified, we must be justified. What exactly does that mean? Well, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, it says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves those who indulge in sexual sin or who practice or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people none of these will inherit the kingdom of God What he's saying here is people who live and are led by their their base instinct, led by their natural wants and desires, that those people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. We need to understand, we need to hear this. That means every person ever that lived before you became a Christian. There are no exceptions. We need to hear this. You cannot become a born-again Christian unless you understand that you are one of these people. All of us are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard." That means that all of us, me, you, everybody, is guilty of of being a sinner, a a person who is wrapped up in in wrong. And it says none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? We, We understand that to inherit the kingdom of God you can't be that way. God is in the business of saving us from being like this. I just read 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. The very next verse, verse 11, says, Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. That means to be washed. You were made holy, that means to be sanctified. You were made right with God, that means to be justified by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You see, when we, when anybody recognizes that they are sinners, that they are separated from God because they are our they are on that list. They are one of the people who wakes up, you know, the Holy Spirit helps them realize, wow, I am a sinner. I have wronged God. My relationship with God is non-existent because I, I am a sinner. I'm, I'm a thief. I'm a liar. I am you know, I, I, an adulterer. I do these things. That's, that's who I am. And when I realize that and I cry out to God and say, God, I am a sinner. I can't save myself. I can't be religious enough. I can't be good enough. I can't fix this. God, please save me. When we call on the name of Jesus Christ for salvation, he and he alone can save us. No one else can do it. Being religious isn't going to do it. Trying harder isn't going to do it. The only way that we can be right with God is when we cry out to God and say, please save me. That's what it means to be born again, that we are, we are born spiritually, responding out of love and devotion and appreciation for what God has done, we change our behavior. We quit living to fulfill our, our base desires, our, our flesh desires. We quit living the way that the world says is natural and normal, and we begin to live a life that is committed to being obedient to Jesus Christ. That means that we do away with the works of our flesh. We, we do away with that list. Um, you know, I, I just read that list from 1 Corinthians 6. You know, sexual sin, adultery, homosexuality, thieving, greedy, drunk, all of that stuff. And, and that's not a complete list. Don't sit there and say, well, I'm not on that list. Well, first of all, you are. But second of all, understand that that's just giving us an example, helping us to understand. But when we are born again, when we, when we realize what God has done, that he took us as sinners and Jesus died on a cross in order to cover our sin, in order to, to take that guilt away from us. When we realize what God has done for us, then we say, I no longer am going to live a life that is pursuing after that stuff. we were no longer comfortable having sin in our lives we no longer tolerate sin in our lives. I have a good, good friend that when he was in college, he accepted Christ as his Savior. And he had grown up, just he hadn't grown up in church or anything like that. And like I say, when he was in in school, he accepted Jesus as his Savior. And not long after he was saved, he was laying in bed in the middle of the night and he was awoken by the Holy Spirit, who was convicting him because he had a stack of Playboy magazines. And the Holy Spirit, no one was telling him, get rid of the magazines, but the Holy Spirit was. And the Holy Spirit was just convicting him saying, those no longer have a place in your life. Those don't belong in your life anymore. And so he's, he's like, okay, God, I'll, I'll throw those away in the morning. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you need to do it now. And he was like, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw them away, but not the Farrah Fawcett issue. You know, I, I can't throw away the Farrah Fawcett issue. And the youngsters in the class are, are in here are going, who's Farrah Fawcett? <laughs> <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit's just convicting him. And so finally, at three in the morning, he gets up and threw them away. Even Farrah Fawcett, he he bagged them up and threw them in the trash because he understood because the Holy Spirit said it's not proper. It's not right. It's, It's inconsistent for a believer in Christ to allow something to stay on. And we need to be that way. When we become followers of Christ, we're no longer content. We're no longer at home with the sin that dwells in our lives. We put sin to death. We put off our old life and we put on a new life. Galatians 2:20 says, I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says we are new creations. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes it this way, so put to death the sinful "...earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater." worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. You see, when you become a follower of Christ, when you become born again, you get rid of the stuff that is inconsistent with Christian behavior, and instead you put on Christ. You put on a godly life. Continuing on in Colossians 3, begin with verse 9, it says, "'You have stripped off your old nature and all of its wicked deeds,' Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy, to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its riches fill your lives." Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he, with all the wisdom he gives, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks um, through him to God the Father. When you have Christ in your life, You no longer accept allowing sin and and our sin nature to hang around in your life. You get rid of it. He says here, you strip it off. And instead, you put on Christ-like behavior. And I read earlier where Paul said, work hard at doing this. This isn't something casual where you go, well, I just can't seem to get it done, You invest yourself. You you work at this process. It's a necessary thing that we do. And this is an important thing that we understand. We have to live by God's standard, and we have to to do God's will in our lives. We can't just kind of live our own lives and do whatever we think best. Matthew 7, 21, the first part of that verse says, Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. True faith is more than just going through the motions or giving lip service. It's not enough to do things because it's church stuff. Matthew 7, 22 and 23 says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will say, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. What's the difference between a true follower of Jesus Christ and just someone that's being a quote-unquote Christian, you do God's will. Matthew 7, 21 again, Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. To enter the kingdom of God, you have to be an obedient child of God. Period. Period. It's, it, you know, it, it's not just something that we do on Sunday morning. It's not just something that we give lip service. It is you, it, it, it becomes who you are to be a follower of Christ, to be an obedient follower of Christ. The kingdom of God is present. It is here and now, but it is also a future that awaits us a glorious future. And in when we are obedient children, we will inherit that eternal kingdom. But we need to understand that it's, there are gonna be those who step up and Jesus is gonna say, I don't know you. And those people are gonna be shocked because they're gonna say, I was in church every Sunday. I, I was one of the best attenders at church and I tithed every week and I I did all of those things. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. And the reason is because those people didn't seek to be transformed. They didn't allow Christ to change them. They were just religious on the outside. They weren't committed to Christ on the inside. There's a difference and we need to understand that Paul wrote to the Galatians because he was concerned for their salvation because they were doing just this. They were they were say they were professing Christ on the outside, but they weren't living Christ on the inside. Examine your life. Make sure you are being obedient to Christ to the best that you you know how. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we desperately need you. Every day, I'm reminded of the song, Every Hour I Need Thee. Lord, I pray for the folks in this room right now and and those that are are watching. God, God, Each and every one of us have our own struggles and our problems and our issues that we're dealing with. And the bottom line is we need you. And Father, I I pray that you will help each of us to honestly examine our lives and to ask ourselves, am I truly born again? Am I living a life that is committed to to Jesus, or am I just going through the motions? Help us, Father, to truly live the life you have called us to, to put off our old nature and to put on you, put on Christ. Lord, during this invitation, I just ask that you would move the hearts of each person here, especially those who need you, who don't have that personal relationship with you. Stir them, Father, to salvation. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.